Hi, this is Heather Tokus, and I raise monarch butterflies, butterflies from Heather's name of my business, and this is Dingo Talk. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week, Heather Tokus, uh, class of, what year did you graduate, Heather? 89 1989 so that would mean you got to bethany <laughs> in 1985 uh born in born in wheeling raised in wellsburg how why from brook county did you choose bethany over uh, west liberty or even a franciscan i think uh, or steubenville college it might have been at that time yeah well bethany had a great reputation and still does. So I was very happy to attend Bethany College. And I was undecided in my major for, for two years. But um, Bethany was a small, quiet, comfortable, in the country place. Uh, I'm used to uh, in the country. I don't, I'm not big on big cities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, it was really nice and comfortable. And it was very, very homey and and it was a great experience for me. Now, what pushed you yeah. towards your social work? Because you get a, you get your major your major ends up becoming social work. You get your degree in social work. How do you how do you gravitate sure. towards social work? Well, I've always had a heart for people, and among my peers and family, I've always been the peacemaker, the person that people come to to spill the beans. <laughs> uh to tell a secret to or to try to negotiate a problem so um you know it just it just fell into place for me to go into social work after two years of trying to figure out what i wanted to do so and i i also have um i'm, I'm musically inclined and i i almost went to the university of rhode island on a music scholarship <laughs> but wow. um i chose bethany yeah so. um so as you're, you know, through the eighties, I've had a, a large number of, of different groups from the eighties on, on the alumni tour. Um, what are some of the things for you that stood out um, that kept you on campus? Because I mean, really it's just a jaunt down the down 67 and you're in Wellsburg. What kept you, or did you not stay on campus during the weekends and whatnot? Were you, uh, did you go home? Yeah, well, I might have been the black sheep of Bethany College because I really didn't drink or like to go out and party. And um, I was never thirsty on Thursday. <laughs> but um, but I, I just really enjoyed the serenity of it. And I didn't have a car until my senior year, for one thing. But of course, family was very close and, you know, anybody could come get me from Wellsburg at any time. But I also uh, worked in the registrar's office the whole time I was there. And I also was the programming assistant. Uh, so I had two campus jobs while I was there and including throughout the summer, I was house manager and still worked for the registrar's office, you know, on a regular basis. So um and bethany just became my home i was very comfortable there yeah so night let's go we'll take ourselves to 1989 
real quick, just to, just so we fulfill the alumni tour side of this. Um, uh, yeah. There's a test, you know, that damn test. It connects all of us. It, it keeps us all as Bethany people together. It's yeah. comprehensive. Uh, what were yes, your comps like? Were you a May comper? <laughs> were you a Chris, uh, winter comper? Really, Carlo, did you have to ask that question? <laughs> so, so actually, I had um, to redo my comps. So technically, I should have graduated in 87. So I ended up taking a year off and recuperating from the trauma, you know, of not passing my orals, mm -hmm. actually. So the writings were good, but, but yeah, it was quite a challenge for me, but I did go back and I finished what I needed to do and ended up graduating in 89. So my, my technical year of arrival was 83 and I finished in, in 89. So I was, I was on the five-year plan, but I took a year off. <laughs> hey, I understand the extended plans. I still have, I had an extended plan at Bethany. I, I graduated and lived there for a couple more years. There was a very extended uh -huh. day there in the town. Um, yeah. So in 19, so you, so you graduate. When does, um, when does the butterflies, I, I guess, and I don't mean that like the butterflies you get in your stomach. I mean, when does butterflies become right. your thing? Yeah. So I had butterflies in my stomach and butterflies flying around me, you know? Um, and then, you know, I like to make the, uh, joke that I'm a social butterfly at this point, right? Because I mm -hmm. raise butterflies, I'm a social worker. So it just all kind of fits, but, um, yeah. So the butterflies came into my life when I was eight years old. So that was back in 1974. And that, that's been quite a few years back. All right. So, um, so it was just something that I did as a hobby and, and as a passion every summer. And um, in the year 2000, I decided to make it a business once the internet came about in the late 90s. <laughs> um, you know, we, we were able to learn things from other people quickly. Mm -hmm. And, and so I realized that other people were doing it as a business and that's really what I love. And I thought, well, well, goodness, you know, I can do it seasonally. If someone in New York is doing it, I certainly can do it, you know, Absolutely. um, cause I had already been raising them for, you know, over 25 years at that point. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was great. Now, um, can you dive in a little bit more on the, so you, you start, you start out, you're going to create a business. What was the goal? Cause I know there's some therapeutic things that go on. There's, there's a little bit of holistic medicine mm -hmm. in that realm that with the butterflies. So can you dive into what nowadays what first started to what you yeah. are now? What was the. Yeah. Yeah. So nowadays butterflies are much more recognized than they were back then in 2000, you know, mm -hmm. this was a very new industry. I, um, I learned about the international butterfly breeders association and became wow. a member and that had just uh started in i think 1998 okay so the butterfly industry just became a very new industry and i learned about it early on which was great and uh so so started just rearing in numbers instead of 
you know, just singly. So mm-hmm. I, I do weddings, memorial services, birthday parties. Um, I do fundraisers. I set up a walk-in butterfly tent at events. Um, people use the butterflies for a lot of a lot of different fundraising ideas. So as a matter of fact, I'd like Bethany to do one. Why not? <laughs> you know? Um, let me ask you, what goes into breeding a butterfly? Like how does that process and, and how long does that process take? Yeah. So it's an interesting question because there are very many species of butterflies. There are, are hundreds, okay? Mm-hmm and thousands but here in west virginia um you know there's i don't know maybe i think a hundred or a couple hundred species but anyways each species requires a specific host plant where they lay their eggs so if that host plant is not present then they won't be interested in mating and they won't be interested in laying eggs so Mm -hmm. so that and temperature and humidity um, um, hours of daylight, all of that is, is very specific to, to each particular type of butterfly. It's, it's more complex than people would realize. And you have to be very detail oriented and very precise and, and get things right, or it can be a flop in no time. <laughs> now, what yeah. is the, I just had this pop into my head because you named all the things that you, all the events and whatnot that you use Uh, or that you have the Mm -hmm. butterflies for um what is the strangest event i guess you i would ask what's the strangest thing that you've been asked to bring butterflies to oh gosh um i i don't think that i have any idea (laughs) everything has been pretty appropriate i guess i don't know Uh, maybe my life the butterfly, exciting, maybe? the butterfly industry doesn't get get brought to like football games or like a senior prom yeah. or anything. <laughs> yeah, but I have people to ask me butterfly questions at those events, you know, like they see me out in public and they say, hey, can you identify this picture for me? You know, and they show me pictures on their phones and um yeah, so yeah, it's happened at football games and just odd places, but yeah, I haven't really done any releases at any at any strange places, <laughs> but a lot of different fundraiser things, you know, for sure. But and and I'd like to tell you that in 2004, mm-hmm. I was able to meet Governor Wise and uh, he encouraged me, I was talking to him about my butterflies and he encouraged me to talk to my, um, my local representative because my question to him was how do we get a butter- monarch butterfly day started in the state because the monarchs were starting to become endangered mm-hmm. back then in, in 2004. So, um, so I successfully lobbied legislators and, and established West Virginia Monarch Butterfly Day, and it's every year, September 12th. So that's coming up. So it we is. have time to celebrate that. This will be released. Uh, we're watching this. Everybody at home is watching this on Thursday. Uh, for those of you at home, Monarch Butterfly Day will be Monday of the, of the following week. Um, yes. So 
Let me, so what goes into that yeah. process, the legislative process and what you had to go through to get that established? What are the steps? Oh, you know, that's a great question because I knew nothing about politics. <laughs> I was, I was um, immersed in learning marketing in those four years of being in business. I didn't have a background in communication, marketing, anything uh, along those lines. So, um, so I just uh, contacted the, um, the local person here, Jack Yost was our delegate at the time in Brook County. Mm -hmm. And um, he said you needed one sponsor, which means one lawmaker to present it to legislation. And he would be willing to do that for me. So I got familiar with what the committee committees were mm -hmm. at the state level and who did what and what their interests were. So I ended up writing a lot of emails and I went to Charleston a couple times, met people in person. Um, I ended up having seven delegates sponsor it. Wow. And uh, five senators. So I ended up with 12 lawmakers who were interested in what I was doing, which I heard was pretty phenomenal uh, to get legislators to agree that much with each other. <laughs> From what I hear, you know, it's, it's almost impossible. Yeah. So we might need to send you somewhere else yeah. to get some things fixed. But this was the, yeah, this was the peacemaker. I'll tell you, it was, um, I had a strong argument that West Virginia recognized the monarch as our state butterfly. And in the previous 10 years of 2004, they sustained um, unseasonal winter uh, freezing rain, which, which they can't survive. So they died by the millions mm -hmm. two times from 94 to 2004. So I, my argument to the lawmakers were, we're, we're recognizing this as our state butterfly and, and we say we love it, but what are we doing for it? It's in danger, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. in trouble right now. So why don't we create a day that we can um, have during the fiscal school year and educators can use it as a vehicle for conservation talks and getting familiar, connecting kids with nature and start stirring some interest up uh, you know, with students and science and, you know, monarchs can teach us geography. They go from Canada to Mexico. Um, they can teach us math. They can teach us health. You know, there's, there's so many things that you can teach through butterflies. So now how yeah. long so, did the process September 12th. Uh, the life cycle the that process no 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 no. The, so, or oh the oh the actual yeah making it monarch day yeah process. how long did they sure. yeah so it was a matter of um i think six weeks and i actually have a chart uh, a link to um the west virginia legislative uh website and, and it shows every little step that they took, you know, and, and when another action was taken on it. And it was started, I believe, um, I don't know, February, Feb, I don't know, it was February, early in February. I can't remember the date off the top of my head, but it finished on um, March 13th. 
so that's when it was done so it started in february and then uh it got finished uh, march 13th of 2004. and so you were talking about the migration just the migration of butterflies i think i'm trying to wrap my head around so monarchs will yeah. go from where you are in brook county west virginia they'll make their way up to canada yes. down to what's the life expectancy of a monarch butterfly yeah, so that is one of the mysteries of the monarch butterflies because uh, the normal regular season, which is uh, June through September, those broods only live up to maybe eight weeks if they're lucky, nine weeks. And so the last uh, brood, the last group that that is in the end of September and October here in West Virginia is able to migrate to Mexico, but they go into what scientists call diapause. And it's just like it sounds, it's, it's a pause in, in, in their, their life. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we, we have menopause as women, <laughs> you know, and we have diapause as cat, uh, butterflies and caterpillars actually go into diapause too. But, um, so that means they basically slow down their whole system. They're, they're no longer interested in, in normal life activities and they just uh, save their energies for survival only during the winter. Yeah. So, so very it's very similar, similar to, hibernation. to hibernation. Yep. Very similar to hibernation, but um but they, you know, they don't go into a deep cave and, and freeze while they're there. You know, they, they stay cool, but not freezing. Now, yeah. is there a specific type of caterpillar that becomes a monarch butterfly? Absolutely. Absolutely. There is. And what is that? <laughs> yeah. And um, it's found on the uh, milkweed plant and it's a beautiful black, white, and yellow striped caterpillar. And I've got several pictures and some videos of them on my Facebook page. I don't have a website, but my Facebook page is just simply butterflies from Heather. Um, but I do have some chrysalis here. I don't know if we can see this in the camera or not, but. Yeah, there we go. Is okay. Is it focused? <laughs> yep, it's focused. I can see it. So these have a very shiny gold band on them. Whoops, the camera's going opposite. It's how about that? There we go. There we go. So these are um, these are the chrysalis. So it's, I, I think monarchs are especially fascinating because they, they do go from the yellow, black, and white striped caterpillar to this beautiful green and actually metallic gold chrysalis. And um, then they turn into an orange, black, and white polka dotted butterfly, which if you notice, I have on a black shirt with white polka dots and a and an orange, <laughs> an orange over shirt. I did notice I'm there not, was a little color coordination there. <laughs> yeah, I'm dressed like a monarch, okay? <laughs> um, so yeah. let me ask you this. As we're going into, as we're going to be coming up on West Virginia Monarch Day, um, what, can the, what can people do in the West Virginia area, in the Pennsylvania area, in the Ohio area um, to really help with the butterflies and with the monarchs in, in, in particular? 
Well, um, uh, the best thing to do is, is to obtain milkweed seeds. And if anybody needs or wants milkweed seeds, they have the space to put it in. I do collect them every fall and I usually just give them away. You know, mm -hmm. I gave some away this morning. As a matter of fact, several hundred of them. And I also provide them to DNR when they need them, the, the state uh, Department of Natural Resources. So I work on a state level that way and, and help get milkweed everywhere. Um, as a matter of fact, I had the opportunity to be on the, um, the state's Monarch and Pollinator Summit. And I was on the uh, panel of experts in giving advice on on what people can do, that very mm -hmm. question that you just asked. So um, so I like answering that question and I like helping people on their way with you know, getting that accomplished. And the more milkweed that is available, the, the more habitat the, the monarchs have and the more that we'll see monarchs. Um, it's a tricky area here in West Virginia because of our mountain range. Mm -hmm. So when, when the monarchs come northward from 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 their travels, they uh, follow the coastline and then also on the other side of the the mountain range. So so West Virginia is kind of like split in half that way, you know, with the big Appalachians going right through it. So so we usually see the monarchs a little bit later than than our neighboring states do, and mm -hmm. even Michigan sees monarchs sooner than West Virginia does in the summer. That's weird. <laughs> I know. I know. Does that make any sense to you? <laughs> not not unless they they took they must have taken ninety up instead of coming across and getting on seventy nine yeah. and seventy. Um, that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you pointed out between um, 1994 and 2004. The, the, how far it had dropped. Mm -hmm. Now, since 2005, mm -hmm. when the legislation went in, um, has that number mm -hmm. come back up? Has it has it improved? It has improved. I can't say it's because of my conservation efforts, but possibly I have educated a lot of people over the years. You know, I, I like the educational part of it mostly mm -hmm. um, given school presentations and clubs, uh, scout groups, you know, I've been really involved with, um, with big statewide groups, um, youth day and, and things like that through DNR. So, so it's possible that I have impacted the numbers. Um, sure. My ego would like to say I have, but <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't prove it, you know. You can't take all the credit, at <laughs> but, least. You can take a little credit, but not all. Yeah, I can't prove it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so so the one thing that I have um, realized in life that that people don't care about changing anything unless they have a, a personal investment or attachment to it. So if people don't um, have a personal relationship with monarchs, then they're not apt to to really take action and do something for them that is useful and, and meaningful and going to make a difference. So, so I I in my social work, uh, working with families and child protective service cases and and you know coming up with wholesome family activities, 
I created and coined uh, butterfly therapy. So um, a lot of the uh, parents hadn't ever seen a butterfly hatch out from a chrysalis or watched a caterpillar shed its skin or mm -hmm. go into the chrysalis or even touch the wings of a butterfly. Um, so I kind of share that experience with families and um, it creates a, a magical cohesiveness that is hard to describe. You know, the butterflies really bring a lot of love to people. They have mm -hmm. a spiritual uh, value to them and just something you can't put your finger on. So, so in that, you know, healing happens, um, butterflies show us that change is possible you know we, we we're crawling around as a caterpillar uh having a hard life you know we get our skin gets tight we gotta shed our skin and then you know the chrysalis is a time of contemplation and a time of uh metamorphosis where the changes take place and and so it's um it's very symbolic as to what we all go through Mm -hmm. in our in our lives as adults or children you know so um so i've enjoyed bringing healing to people through butterflies and um and as a matter of fact uh i ended up opening up a healing center this year in february in wellsburg and mm -hmm. i've tied butterflies into that as well um and uh, when I first opened up in February, of course, it's it was winter. And uh, the people who know me as the butterfly lady, they're like, are you going to have butterflies here, too? You know, are you going to bring your butterflies in here? So I said, sure. You know, so I've been doing that for people. But but the healing center is called Metastone and it's in downtown Wellsburg and people can check that out too. Mm -hmm. And it's just a place where people can connect and learn from each other, just create a, a wholesome environment, you know, because I think we need that more than anything in the world right now to reconnect and be human together. You know, <laughs> I agree. I agree. That's what these conversations are all about is that, that we're all people. We just take yeah. some time to get Connection. to know each other, you know? Yeah. It's important. Um, yeah. So my last question, as we wrap this up, um, for those one, let's give your, so it's Facebook, uh, Butterflies by Heather, right? From, like pennies from heaven, it's Butterflies from Heather, yeah. Butterflies from Heather. Um, give me the, give me the, mm -hmm. the healing center one more time. Meta. It's, me it's Meta, Meta Stone, like Metamorphosis, M-E-T-A off of the play off of my butterflies <laughs> and then stone because we have to take steps we we have a stepping stone you know and each like time that. it appears you know once we go to one step then the next one appears in which direction to go so meta stone well my last question for you is for somebody i i've talked to a lot of social workers as well for somebody in the social work field mm -hmm. Is this something that maybe they can reach out to you if they're interested to try to help with, or maybe you can help them with the yeah. using it in their situations? Yeah, with with. yeah. Yeah. That's something that, um, that I'm glad you mentioned because it's been in my thoughts and my heart to, to offer to, to social workers and 
um, providers that that are working in the trenches, I call it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, you know, so, uh, you know, it just brings so much peace and joy. And, and I, I'm always happy to teach people how to do it. And, you know, it overcome some of the obstacles that are the nuts and bolts of dealing with live critters, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, so, so, uh, so yeah, uh, reach out to me and, and I'll get you started on butterfly therapy for sure. Well, I wanted to say thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. And, and cause you, I, I don't know about everybody else that watched. I learned a lot about butterflies, specifically <laughs> the monarch. I had no idea there was legislation <laughs> about it. I, you know, I, I didn't know the, the different phases. I definitely didn't know that they traveled to Mexico and come back. Um, yeah. I am Carla Guadagnino. This has been the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest, Heather Tokus, uh, class of 1989, um, and butterflies from Heather, uh, and the Meadowstone in Wellsburg. So make sure you check all those out. While you're doing that, if you're sitting somewhere and you've got to this point of the show, make sure you hit subscribe down at the bottom here. You go on to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can find us there as well. Uh, Twitter instagram tiktok wisdom i think that's it you can find me on facebook as well my name on facebook everything else is dingo talk instagram is dingo underscore talk um we're here every thursday at 10 a.m and after this episode comes out the following monday will be west virginia monarch day so make sure you get out and enjoy a beautiful monday and maybe you'll see a monarch uh heather thank you very much for stopping by Thank you. Have a great day. And we'll see you next week, Chuckleheads. You too.